Hello, hello, this is Hot Air with me, Mike Borman, and this week it's Chris Coco in the chair. And we're talking about the topic that Chris wanted to talk about, which is the art of sunset DJing. And when you think about it, there's almost no man better qualified to pass judgment on this. Chris has been playing sunset gigs all around the world for as long as I can remember and longer. And if you listen to what comes out on his label, Melodica, so much of it is just ripe for the sunset. And you know, there is a surprising amount to consider when you're DJing to the sunset. It isn't just, oh, let's play something chilled and valyric and it'll all be fine. Uh, there are actually quite a few do's and don'ts, uh, not to mention many different types of sunset and many different settings for the sunset. And now you might think this is a very narrow topic that does not deserve to be rationalised in such train-spotted detail. But rest assured, Chris is well worth listening to on this. I certainly learned a lot from it. He makes some very interesting points. So I want to understand your introduction to Sunset DJing. When I started getting into DJing and getting into the scene, yes, I was aware that Cafe Del Mar was around and there were compilations, but I never really thought of Sunset DJing as a thing. It was much later in my clubbing life that I got into it. So uh, what was your introduction to the art of Sunset DJing? Well, you can probably guess what it was already because it's the cliche of cliches, which is going to Cafe Del Mar after a night out in a club and listening to the legendary Jose Padilla playing music. Um, that was sometime in the 90s when I was editing DJ magazine, so I was completely 100% wrapped up in house music, DJing at weekends, working on a magazine all week. Um, <clears throat> and I saw him do this thing, f felt this connection with a human music and the celestial wonders of the sunset. Um, and it made me think, oh, you don't have to play records for people to dance to, which seems extremely obvious. But at that moment, it was like this revelation because I was so wrapped up in this world of doing that. So this seemed like a way of sharing music with people that didn't involve the specific restrictions of playing dance music in a nightclub. Yeah, that's, and that was going to be my next question. Was the eclecticism of it a big thing for you? It was, because I think also at that time, um, after the freedom of Acid House and the sort of Balearic dance music, things were becoming more and more um, restricted and categorised. So it was like you had to play garage or house or techno or in, like it is now with this 27,000 different categories of house music and it was becoming more and more difficult to be eclectic. Um, sets were getting shorter and shorter so you were a guest DJ you played for an hour which doesn't give you a lot of time to do stuff so this was like oh I can have all the freedom that I used to have playing music and I don't have to get people to dance. Mm, yeah, I mean, um, and I can have this connection which I really like with music and nature. Uh, ju just the concept 
of beat matching, <clears throat> especially when vinyl is the only medium in town, that in itself is a, is a bit of a restriction. And by and, and so what year are we talking here? 95, 96? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, by then, the expectation, I'm sure, in the UK, in almost every venue with electronic music being played by a DJ, would be good quality, like everything, beat match, basically. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't really the beat matching, it was more the sort of, I think, um, house music was coming becoming more and more formulaic at that point. So you had to have your 16 bar intro and then the bass line came in and then yeah. the hook came in and blah 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 and it was just kind of oh. and were you feeling that before <coughs> you made that trip to Ibiza or, or was it sitting there that made no, it all true <laughs> I think I was feeling it anyway but I was also like amazed by what this guy was playing and how it felt very connected to what was happening mm. at that moment yeah because uh, again that, that's another thing that's that if you haven't actually seen it that you can listen to Cafodomar compilations or whatever and you can kind of get oh these are designed to be these were played outside when people are chilling out but the specific moments in the set where you've got sunlight and then, well, within most Balearic sets at that time, that are over a couple of hours, you've got sunlight, then you've got the dusk, then you've actually got the sunset itself, and then you've got the darkness. So, and hence, I'm sure the music needs to respond to each one of those. And, and so you, you felt that immediately, that the, the music changed in line with how the light was changing, basically. Yeah, and it's about, it's about, you know, if you listen to any set from a club, you can go, oh, that would have been nice to be there. But uh, that connection between listening to loud music and being with people, it's about a moment, a specific moment that you feel. And it's much more than the sound of the record. And that is, you could say, even more so than being in a club. If you're outside somewhere special with friends and you've got this amazing celestial spectacle it's a, it's an amazing moment in your life that you really feel very very strongly it's a very strong sensation that can happen and do you think time. do you think that's because there are more there's more visual stimulus with a sunset set it, than in a club it's say? visual and it, it's physical because it's it's usually warm yeah. So you're feeling yeah. that you're feeling yeah. that, you know the sun on your face and the brightness and um, <clears throat> there's a lot of elements. A lot of the time in Ibiza, obviously, it involves you, you haven't had much sleep, so you're feeling slightly sleep deprived <laughs> and a bit spacey and um, obviously and the rest at that time <laughs> there's a, an element of. Uh, repetition of your the last night's activities chemical activities happening which helps you to make it make it feel special you know so there's a lot of things going on there um, that make it into and that's we, we spoke to Javier who runs Mambo and Hostella Torre about it and we were saying it's like you're making a very strong memory of a, of a particular moment which is really, which is one reason why it's really good that 
Ibiza's become famous for sunsets because it's something that a lot of people wouldn't do is just take that time to watch a sunset. You've got to go there, you've got to sit there for at least half an hour to actually do it. It's the only place I've ever watched a sunset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're, you're quite right. You know, it's something, it makes people do that, which you don't normally just take the time to sit and look at the sky for half an hour. Yeah. And that in itself is like a really great thing. And if there's great music to go with it, it makes it even better. Mm. So you had that um, eureka moment watching Jose. How, how long did it take you to feel like you'd mastered the art of doing it yourself? I, I don't think you do master the art of those things because you're only as good as your last gig. Humble. Any kind of music, musical, you know, activity. Um, sometimes you get it right, and oftentimes you don't. There are certainly fewer parameters to aim for with sets like that. Well, there's the one, there's the sort of ground zero, which is, can you make the record finish at the moment that the last slice of sun disappears into the water? Ah. So, ah. so there's your mathematical ho horizontal line, literally. Ah, I hadn't thought of it that way, you know. So that's the, 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 the holy grail is to do that. And there's two ways of doing that. One of them is to time it, the Pete Gooding approach, which is between two and a half and three minutes for the orb to, to disappear. Yeah. The other is to take it from about half an hour out and just feel it. And if everything goes well and you're in the right zone, it all works out. Or, or something in between. So when it, so when it finishes <clears throat> at dead on the moment, it disappears. And hopefully people start applauding yeah. down on the rocks yeah. at Mambo or wherever you are. What's the next tune? What, you know, how much different is the next tune to the previous tune? I think there's, there's like three... It, it depends on the weather, because obviously that's another thing, is it's different every day, depending on if there's cloud or not cloud and what time of year it is. So let's go for the, the best possible <laughs> first, a sunny okay, sunset. Okay, so the simple... In, well, in my opinion, the cloudy ones are better, but we'll go... First, we'll right. go with the simple. Okay. We'll, go, we'll go with the plain... Horizontal line, sun, blue sky, sun drops into sea, disappears. So with that one, you've you've probably got you've got three key records to play, only, which are like the one before the last tune, the last tune, and the one after the sun goes down, when people are feeling most emotional. So the one before the last tune can be something, can be anything, but it can be something quite long and floaty and spacey. The last tune's usually your, you know, classically your euphoric moment, like some classical film score, that kind of Pavarotti. Area. Can be, doesn't have to be yeah. again. The one after can is a time when you can play a very cheesy pop record, you can play an old 
you know, swing records. Like I played some, I can't remember who it's by, but the track's called Beyond the Sea. Because um, it talks about the sea and it's, you know. Um, or you, could, you can play, again, a sort of emotional soul record. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Because at that moment, people will take in that message and feel it. So tracks with obvious meanings, that's the, probably the best time to play them. That's the, I think that's the moment when you can get away with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we will get onto the cloudy sunset in a moment, but when it gets darker, you know, I mean, when, when, I, when I've done it, I like, I like to start to, to mix sort of low tempo, druggy kind of Weatherall style house actually when it gets dark, so it's slightly eerie. Not for very long, but that's something I like to do. What, what do you tend to do after you've given them the happiness? Depends on the, at that point, it depends on the, where you are, on the place where you are, because somewhere like the Sunset Strip, it kind of goes straight up after the sunset because they're preparing for guest DJs and yeah. you know. Whereas if you're playing somewhere like Costello Torre, it's a bit um, slower. The, the, there isn't so much of a build, so it depends on the place. At that point, you're playing more for the venue than you are for the wider environment. Yeah, that is an interesting point actually, because with, with a lot of these venues, there's people sitting on a beach 50 metres away or whatever, but, and as well people in the venue, yeah, that's, that's another variable. So and I mean, I, I, I always try and actually, whether it looks like people are that interested or not, I try and play for what's happening in the sky rather than for the people in the place, for that, for that half an hour yeah. around the sunset, yeah. because that's kind of your job mm. to do that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So a cloudy sunset, this is your optimum. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a sort of acquired taste, like um, <laughs> anchovies or olives or something. You know, it's like, so this is like the harder stuff. This is like red wine yeah, in, it's in like your late twenties. Yeah, it's like your your um, single malt whiskey or <laughs> yeah. something. Um, but then, because obviously, if there's clouds, you don't know what's going to happen. So the kind of the most enjoyable ones. Well, there's two reasons. One is you don't know what's going to happen, and the other is that the sunset kind of goes on for longer. So if the if the sun's disappearing behind clouds, you don't know if it's going to come out again or not. You've got to play long arpeggios and strange music because you don't know what's going to happen so you've got it's like waiting it's like anticipation so you need your long long anticipation records so then stuff without vocals i'm thinking kind of vangelis sort yeah, of thing yeah that kind Cinematic, of vibe yeah but then you've weird. got to be ready to do a sunset if it does come out or not so that that those are the most fun for me, and the, and then you get all sorts of different happen, things happening with the lights. And um, there was there was one day this summer where um, it was all very grey, and it was kind of like oh nothing's going to happen, but I'm going to keep playing this long Ulrich Nas record because I'm waiting to see if the sun comes out. And then there were happened to be I, I don't know how many people noticed this, but apart from me, but there happened to be three 
tiny little holes in the clouds. Ah. Like one that was like a, a mouth and one that was like two <laughs> eyes. So there's like this moment where there was this kind of like grey faced ninja with like red eyes and a red smile. And that was basically the sunset on that day. <laughs> so what does one play to a grey faced um, ninja? Bob Marley Redemption song. Oh, right. <laughs> And how many people, I mean, did people get it? Like, how many people? You, you, you can never tell because sometimes people look really blank and then the person who looks most blank will come over and give you a hug and say, that was really beautiful, thank you so much. And, you know. Yeah, it, it, I, I noticed that playing those kinds of sets. Like, the, there is not the conventional feedback mechanism with a dance floor. Firstly, because there is no dance floor. And secondly, because people are rather strung out around the place and some people are sitting down at tables. So yeah, it, it is, um, it's, it must have taken you a bit of time to, to get used to that though. If you'd been used to playing in clubs, to, to get used to the fact that people aren't reacting in an obvious way to what you're doing. Yeah, um, yes but you're kind of not playing, it's a different situation because you're not looking for a reaction from people. Yeah. You're actually soundtracking something that's happening. Yeah. So it's the kind of thing that you could do even if there was no one there. Yeah. Whereas playing a club set if there's no one there is a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Although lots of people do it, you know, like pretend. But I've, I've always found it difficult doing beat matching and you know, like recording a club set because there's no feedback. Mm. So it's kind of theoretical. Mm. Um, mm. Whereas you could play a sunset with no one there. Yeah. And it wouldn't be theoretical if you were there watching the sunset. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good point. So the angle of, of the sun. Now, obviously you've thought about this a lot. The, the, because the sun doesn't always set at the same angle, it depends where you are in the world. Just, just tell me about your considerations of sunset angles. I think it, it's, I mean, it, it, obviously it moves around every day, it's, it's setting at a different time, in a yeah. slightly different place in the sea. Um, the only, I think the problem is like, it, the midsummer it stays pretty much constant for quite a long time, but the spring and the autumn it's moving every day by a few minutes um, and there's some strange things that happen. I was playing in um, Sinjita which is a place in uh, Frigene which is near Rome which is an amazing massive great open beach and early in the season the sun just wouldn't disappear. It right. was like, I mean, <laughs> it was like I had this, I got the timing completely wrong, the track had run out, it was like a loop at the end of it. And the sun was like, there was about another minute and a half where it was like, normally it goes and it just didn't go. And there's this guy waiting with his turban on to play a gong when the thing, when the thing goes down as well. And we were well, just all looking here at it each other is. Going, what's going on? It's not, you know, it was like we were stuck in, stuck in. Like the longest wank ever. Stuck in it, you could say that, yeah. We were just stuck in this kind of groundhog loop of sunset. Um, eventually it did disappear, of course, but. Yeah, so, and the other thing is in Asia, um, you get, Southeast Asia, you get the situation where the sun goes down very quickly. 
because you're near the equator so it's much faster yeah but then after it's gone there's a kind of afterglow which you don't get in Europe all right um, and it almost feels like it gets brighter again so if you're playing there you can do a nice sunset but quick and then play more cinematic stuff for longer afterwards because that's there's a show after the sunset ah so do you tend to plan beforehand what your sunset tracks are going to be your three no I mean there's um, everyone has a way of filing their their music you know I mean I'd pretty much always use digital so um, I've got my little folders and I've got a sunset folder yeah. and then I've got a classic sunset folder and a Latin jazzy sunset folder and a you know ambient classical sunset folder but beyond that um, I don't plan it I mean I never plan DJ sets because beyond the pre-planning yeah um, and having stuff the ready filing. Yeah, yeah the filing but beyond that no because I just think you don't know what's going to happen so you, and you might there might be a, a new track that you have that you think oh I really want to play that and then it doesn't work out, or maybe it does. There was one instance again this summer when I really wanted to play um, a Nick Cave track from the Skeleton Tree album. And it was kind of emotional because it's a new album and his son had died and it's like, yeah. you know, but I really wanted to play it because it's a beautiful piece of music. Yeah. And then this guy came over and just before I was going to play it and he went, um, can you play something nice for sunset because I'm going to propose to my girlfriend. Ah. <laughs> so I was like, that's probably not a good move. It, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I had to completely scrap it and uh, <laughs> completely scrap it and play something else. But you, you, so you've got to be, you know, even on a clear day, the sun might disappear behind some mist or something. You don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can sort of plan it, but not really. Yeah. So... Let's go back to when you saw Jose and, and, and you were inspired. How did you start playing this kind of stuff in England or did you not? There was a period, the, the reason that I now go and live in Ibiza in the summer is because there was a period when I was becoming a, the worst kind of DJ, which is a theoretical DJ, where you're actually collecting music playing stuff in your house and not actually working, not actually doing the thing that you're supposed to do. Yes. And, you know, as we know, there's a lot of theoretical club DJs who you often encounter in pubs when they, they're kind of pretending to be playing in Ministry of Sound when they're in a pub with 20 people <laughs> who want to have a quiet drink. Yeah. Um, and similarly, I was becoming a theoretical sunset DJ where I had all these ideas of things that I would play if I was doing a sunset without actually doing it very much um, thankfully now I do do it a lot so that's okay because when you do you realise that a lot of your theoretical stuff just doesn't work it's, it's actually self-indulgence which isn't the same thing as playing properly no it isn't um, so what so was there any forum to play sunset-esque music at that point for you in England? I mean, you can do, there's some things you can do at the seaside. There's some kind of 
you know, bar gigs that you can do when you can, where you can play Balearic. I think there's more now because there's places like Spiritland where it's a kind of place where you're supposed to listen to music. So yeah. in that environment you can play more down-tempo stuff. But even there, but there you don't have the um, the time frame. It's like a stretched out amount of stuff that's the same, pretty much for the whole. You, your yeah. time frame there is the time in the evening, how busy it is, how drunk people are. Yeah, there's um, no changing in the light. But there's, there's no, no change. Of, there, you know, it might get dark at some point, but it doesn't make a lot of difference yeah. once you're inside. It's just so. balearic-ish. But, yeah. um, but obviously those places are great because the sound is is nice and people are there to listen as well as to drink and eat and have a nice time but it's not really the same but I think that's one of the things that makes it so special is that you have to make an effort to go somewhere where the sun drops into the sea and it becomes yeah, a special thing that yeah, you don't do every point. day and yeah. there's still a lot of places where people don't do it you know there's a lot of um, seaside places which could have a sunset bar but don't because the people who live there live there and it happens every day and it's not a big deal yeah yeah um, there's places like um, Japan where I've been going quite a lot recently where they know about Café del Mar but they haven't had the sunset experience you know it needs to be set up somewhere so we've been trying to do that there to try and make this moment and for people to understand that it's okay to just stand there and listen to the music or sit there and listen to the music and how has that gone it's it it's going well now it's good because people now get it but um you have to kind of i've, I've been thinking a lot about what you need for that and you do need a good sound system you need to set something up so that people understand what's going on so you're not just there in the background yeah a bit of music but, um, but you need to tell people come for the sunset it's at this point so and so is going to be playing for it of course it's a difficult balance <coughs> to strike because you'll have people eating their dinner as well so one has to be careful that well, it can't the, be too loud yeah I mean at these one at the the ones we've been doing in Japan it's it's drinks and okay. snacks rather than for yeah. dinner yeah that makes it a bit yeah. easier I mean again I think the ideal is to have something with a bar and some food but not dinner yeah if you were going to create your yeah. ideal fantasy sunset location then it would be something like Hostel Torre with an amazing bowl type view of the sea mm. with nothing in front of it with a nice bar and some tapas and the sound system from Spiritland. Yeah, I mean it, where, where else in Ibiza has that vibe where you play at? Camaras is really nice. Um, yeah, that's I've heard a bit one more of your shows kind, from a bit there. more kind of hippie. Um, that's a great that's a great venue. That's really really nice kind of relaxed vibe. Um, with the restaurant at the back and a bar at the front, so there's more of a focus on actually watching the sunset there. So that's that's my other one that I think is really good. And, and when you see The Guardian and various other publications talking about how chill out is back, Balearic is back, Ibiza is, is cool again for an older crowd, what, what do you think instinctively? Because when I read something like that, 
part of me thinks, oh, that's quite good that they're advocating clever music and creative rationales that aren't just duff, duff, duff. But another part of me thinks, oh, God, I'd kind of rather it was just for people who know. Like, where, where do you sit on that? I think these things go around in circles <laughs> and you just keep doing what you do. Yeah. And then you become cool. <laughs> every, every six years, you become cool again <laughs> for a little while. So it doesn't make a lot. I mean, I think it's good because if it makes people think about it and go to what you're doing and enjoy it, then that's great. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the idea of something being cool and then suddenly not being cool is obviously ridiculous, but it's part of the cycle of, of news. Yeah. For that to happen. Especially in creative scenes. <laughs> yeah. Emperor's new clothes and the, you everywhere. Know, this, stuff, this stuff keeps going and there is really good music happening all the time. And what, what I find frustrating, I think, is that it, it, or I've always had a problem trying to sell the idea of chill out music to people who... And really what chill out music is, is it's music from a broad range of sources being used for a specific function, which in this case is to soundtrack a sunset. Mm. So it's functional. So now if you people understand that club music is functional, like you make it for a specific purpose, which is to be played in a club. Yeah. So that people get high yeah. in that environment. But that isn't seen as being weird or stupid. That's seen as being a good thing. Yeah. Whereas with Balearic and chill out, they're kind of like, oh yeah, it's all really nice, and it's like, what's the point of that? And the, I don't know why there isn't that simple connection between, oh, this music is for this function, like club music is for that function, like Leonard Cohen is for listening to you when you feel a bit depressed. You know, yeah. It's like that you wouldn't want to hear Leonard Cohen, I'm Your Man, played in a nightclub at two o'clock in, in the morning, because mm. it, it's a great song, but it's not the right environment for it. Mm. And it's the same with, with chill out music. Obviously mm. there's a lot of kind of cheesy stuff that um, chill out by numbers, which I'm not interested in, but chill out's just another form of functional music and it should be seen as that. And I don't know why people in the mainly broadsheets don't just see that. Well, I think actually it's not, um, I think it's the, the, the broadsheets, but there is a link to people on the ground. So I think that because people associate DJ culture so much with nightclubs, and because almost everyone's entry point into professional electronic DJing, like as a punter, is in a nightclub, that it takes a long time for, 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 to get out of the binary thought process. Certainly in my case, I, I didn't really listen to electronic music below 125 BPM until I was in my mid-twenties. And because it just, because being in the club, that was just what DJing was to me and it worked and I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't really know what Balearic meant, other than the fact that Ibiza was in the Balearic Islands. It's a word that I would never dare use at that time, because I'm thinking, hang on, mate, I just don't quite get this. And then suddenly, that all changed as I started looking at 
the reference points of the up-tempo house music I was listening to, you know, what disco did it sample, what funk did it sample. And then through that I realised, oh hang on, there's loads more music of genuine melodic value down below 120 BPM and in the sort of the Café del Mar genre than there is in up-tempo clubland <laughs> at that time anyway. So if that was my trajectory, and I would like to think that I take the time to really research stuff and I love a lot of music, probably the same with every, with a lot of other people. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but it's a shame, you're right. I, and, and, I, and another thing as well is that you're the only person that I've ever heard describing chill out as functional. You are, of course, right. I totally agree with that. But I think that maybe there's a little bit of shame from the people who actually do do chill out that to really deconstruct it and sell it if you know what I mean that, that that might seem a bit too corporate and that they're selling out it's not corporate it's just a description of, yeah. of what you're doing but I, the thing is that, yeah I understand what you mean it's like I've always I'm not a, a music I'm like a music person it's like what, what I do is music related almost all the time but I'm not a, a train spotter I'm not a collector of music so I'm not. I've never been uh, a kind of purist um, collector of things. Mm. So you know, like as when I first discovered interesting music, it was I had to buy records because it was the only way of hearing it. But I wasn't attached to the covers or the records. I was attached to the music. And then it was listening to John Peel with the tape recorder on pause. And again, it didn't want, need to own the thing, it was about having the sound. So I think it's the same now with the music that I have now. It's like, it's there to be used. Mm. It's there to be shared and there to be used, whether it's on the radio or playing out. So um, I've always had that view of it. It's not, it's, it's sacred and precious, but it's not like, you know, an iconic bit of product. Yeah, I mean, so actually, it's kind of if any, if anything, it's the opposite of being corporate. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's it, in the air, and it for me, it works when it's in the air. You know, it's in in the moment. That's what music's about. It, having that approach leads to a more enjoyable DJ life as well, where it's it's sort of all about how it can be shared and how it can be used, and it means I think that. You don't get too hung up on what's cool now and what was cool and certain scenes and certain labels. And the, the great thing with um, DJing Chill Out Sunset uh, is that there is no time frame to it. You know, there's, there is no now or then or cool or not cool. Yeah. It's like what fits, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the, you know, some some amateurs you see are basically just copying what Ibiza 88 was or whatever but the people who actually who I would pay money to see yeah it's it's across every single year from about <laughs> the 70s onwards even further back and, and up to now and I think that's great it just makes it such a richer 
art form, just as a DJ or, or as someone who follows the scene closely as a punter. There's just, there's so much more to learn and so much more to listen to. And yeah, okay, you don't have this constant flow that you would have in a club, but well, you can do that the following night. <laughs> or you can do that. I mean, I, I think, again, I've talked about this a lot in, in the summer in Ibiza. It's like your, the ideal Balearic night which doesn't really happen at the moment in one place is to have to do your sunset you have your you have your beers you have your tapas maybe you have your little restaurant so you can go and eat if you want to but then after the sun sets you lift up a bit into your as you were saying your dubby weatherall type slow house music yeah disco etc etc and you you do have a bit of dancing, yeah, um, and that's that will be my ideal night. Would be, you know, dancing outside until whatever time you're not allowed to dance anymore, which in Ibiza is midnight. But yeah, um, so there's um, nowhere around the world. There, even I mean, for you. again, there are places like the the parties we're trying to do in Japan. We're doing that, so it's like beach dancing, you know, sunset plus dancing on the beach, which is really great because you've got that really lovely sunset feeling and then you go up you know which is which is wonderful yeah um so that's my ideal thing which i want to try and do more of next year because it's it's civilized and you can do it when you're a bit older and you can have kids there and or not yeah. or you know yeah yeah it isn't um, as savage as a club environment no and it's not it's not like starting at two in the morning or whatever you know um, so I think that's a really that I think that's a really nice thing to kind of aim for, um, but it, it needs a team of people. It's not just one guy playing some music. So it, so you're considering creating some sort of collective and doing it in Ibiza next summer, let's say. I mean, there's a, there's a kind of, you know, the the, the Japanese things are working. Um, there's a sort of there is a Balearic resistance, little underground. <laughs> movement trying to do things like that so we'll see how that comes together over the winter Balearic resistance <laughs> oh interesting yeah I, I like the sound of that, <laughs> that yeah um, and of all the places where where you play sunset sets you know what where do you look forward to playing the most around the world I think the most, the most sort of epic one that I've done is the place in Italy, Singita, because it's like a, it's a beach bar, it's only there for like five months of the year, the rest of the year there's, there's nothing there, and it's a very big, broad, expansive beach, and they get a lot of people for their um, aperitif. So at the height of the season you've got like I don't know, five or six hundred people all sitting on sheets, oh, great. sheets on the beach. And they're all there to have an aperitif and relax and watch the sun go down. So you're playing to a, you know, a lot of people um, who can all hear the music because there's little speakers dotted around the beach. Um, and because it's big and because it's in Italy, you can play kind of quite epic music and people get it. Um, more than... I don't know, I think it's part of the Italian dramatic 
<laughs> character, you know. It's a kind of big, and it's often quite windy and, you know. As someone who's half Italian myself, I okay. understand exactly what you mean. Okay, good. I was hoping that I wasn't going down a, a dodgy path there. No, no, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. I mean, I mean, they really took, the Italians really took to cosmic disco, like, back in the day, which to me would just be terrific where once it gets dark. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a point where, you know, a lot, a lot of what um, Harvey's been doing at Pikes, his Mercury Rising thing, mm. where you kind of, like, you're playing quite slow music, but it really works, you know. Yeah. And that, that, that kind of, you can do a really nice transition from uh, uh, Pavarotti or whatever, you know, Ennio Morricone or whatever it is into slow disco. And th there's a lot of places you can go then as well, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Musically. When you're down at sort of 100 BPM and you start mixing, it's it's amazing what you can mix. Yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. The, the, the pre, like almost no genre is safe, and, <laughs> but, like, and, and that's great. Like that's a joyous way of DJing. But there's not that many opportunities to do that. But yeah, I think there will be more because I think people are a bit more open-minded to that now. You know, that idea. And why do you think that is? Because I, I guess just because there's a lot of people who've been going to clubs for a long time and you always get to this point where you think, I don't want to go to this club anymore because it's full of people who are a lot younger than me. Mm. Um, but I still want to go out sometimes, so where's my opportunity to do that? Yeah, I guess the average age of Clubland has got to be getting higher and higher, hasn't it? It just figures. If sort of, let's say, in this country, 88 was like the big bang moment. Yeah, there's still plenty of people who... who are in their 40s and 50s. I mean, even before that, was, you know, there's a long history of going out dancing even before that. There is, but not with the same volume <clears throat> of people who would, who would, you know, still fancy going... Of course, yeah, it's not like... It's not like a guy called Gerald made Voodoo Ray and, and people took a pill and it all started. Nothing is ever really yeah. the year dot, I suppose. <laughs> like it all, it all descends from something else. Yeah, that's. I say, I hope you're right about that. <laughs> like, I, I hope you're right. And you know, if what venue? Let's say, let's take Ibiza as an example that everyone would know. What kind of venues do you reckon you could do that in Ibiza? That's the hard bit. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was picturing in my mind when you mentioned it before, I thought, well, you couldn't really do that at the Torre. <laughs> but you could do all the good Balearic stuff there, and we have. Can't do that at Mambo and Savannah and Del Mar anymore, because that's just a different sphere. Well, maybe you'll just have to open somewhere. <laughs> like, like yeah. Maybe part of your Balearic resistance should involve a property developer. Yeah, maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's the way forward, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I think you're right. It could work. Like, uh, yeah. The, the, and as you say, as we say, if it's in The Guardian and stuff, well, there's, well, you know, it must be cool. There must be a market for it. So I, I want to go back again to your introduction to this. Were there people in your ear back in England when you clearly changed your style of DJing 
saying, what the heck are you doing? What is this shite? I think at that, when I started doing it, it was, I was still doing, you know, it was very two separate things. It was like playing a club or do this sunset thing. So it was like, and yeah, I had to kind of keep it a bit quiet because, I mean, I, I think at the time it was like, you know, you, you know what it's like when you're younger, you're kind of in a, in a scene. Yeah. And it's very, if you do anything that deviates from that scene, you're like, you get kicked out. Like if you wear a stripy shirt and everyone's wearing shirts with spots, you know, you're in yeah, big yeah. trouble. Yeah. It was a little bit like that at the time, but obviously now it doesn't matter that much. But also now I think that all of this music is kind of fits together in a way, feels like it fits together in a way that it didn't then. So if I had long enough, I could get from zero to 130. Ah, but you, but you felt like you couldn't back then. That's interesting. Is that because the common denominator of up-tempo house in the mid-90s was just so It was very strong, it? Yeah, that, it, it was very strong and very specific. Yeah. At that, at that point, I think. And it's like the same now, if you were a club DJ and you suddenly decided to do something else, people would think you were nuts. Mm. For an amount of time, and so I mean, did you have management at the time that that were advising you? I think the the thing is that I've always kind of been a bit um, what's the word schizophrenic or something when it comes to music. Like if you look at like the first the first stuff that I did, which was an album for Warp in like ninety four, I think it was. That was a mixture of club stuff and ambient stuff. Mm. Which was like pretty dumb, really. Should have been one or the other, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there's always been this kind of thing going on of like I'm not wanting to be in a genre. But then again, maybe it wasn't. May I mean, maybe it was dumb in the sense of short-term record sales. But maybe by you having eclectic leanings from the beginning, maybe that helped your transition to being a sunset DJ more. That people accepted that. Well, that's Chris Coco. He does different stuff. You're making it sound like a sex change or something. <laughs> but, but obviously, I get. I guess the reason why I'm putting it in those terms is that something like Coco Steel, feel it. There would have been loads of people of a certain age that would have heard that, and in their mind thinking that that sound, that's Chris Coco. Or maybe they're going to what you were doing in Brighton, which I dare say sounded a bit like that. Yeah. And so for them, it would have been a bit like a sex change. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's a connection between all these things, you know. They, they, all, they all make a lot of sense to me anyway. The thing with Chris that struck me during an interview, he even sounds balearic. The tone of his voice is just so utterly becoming. He just is chill out, basically. There's no doubting that his music comes from the heart and is very, very personal. I love that. Uh, anyway, uh, until the next time, uh, I will bid you farewell.